This podcast is rated M for Mature by the Outer National Council of Fellows. Babies, consider yourselves advised. hit record yep yep all right perfect thank you gentlemen all right so uh you guys ready you have any questions for me before we get started can we have a safe word uh no there are no safe words okay well that's not good all right then (laughs) safe sane consensual you are allowed to cuss because I have labeled my podcasts explicit because of that fact. Whoa. So if you need to, it's okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I got it out. It's out of a system. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Never also, again. did anybody need water before we start? No. I think I'm good. Okay. All right. Uh, I do, though, uh... so I'll be back. <laughs> Ooh. Blank space. Mm. Yep. So this is where Alex and I take over the podcast. Nice. And uh, we talk about whatever we want to talk about. Ooh. Alex, what's on your mind? It's on my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a beautiful spring day. It hasn't been too bad. That is uh, pretty much something I always forget, and I don't know why. All right. But Jacob comes in, <laughs> ruins it. Sorry, were you having a moment? Yeah, we were taking over your podcast, and then you ruined it by <laughs> coming in. Okay. I see. All right, so uh, we're going to start. Our recordings are still going. Um, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Supposedly News, where the news is real and the opinions are unrelated. We bring you what is supposedly the best news, whether it's gaming or otherwise. You wanted it, we found it. I'm your host Jacob, and this week we have Mike and Alex, two of Konami's biggest fans. <laughs> Alright, strap in and prepare yourself for the news. Let's talk about the first story this week. The news. All right. Hot off the press, Apple Arcade. Apple just announced that they're launching a new subscription service that offers a full library of premium games. Some highlights are that all these games are reportedly playable offline, and there won't be ads built into any of them. Apple also showcased some developers and their in-development titles, covered with a show of positivity and giddiness over the fact that Apple is making the impossible possible. With that said, I think we all have Android phones, uh, so I want to ask you guys, is this coming to Android? Uh, Is this coming to Android? uh Uh-huh, that's the question. The Apple Arcade. So I do have an iPhone, by the way. Oh, oh, you have an iPhone? 
Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Michael Go has ahead. an iPhone. Yep. And there's your news of the day. It, that is news to me uh, and everybody else. Take so, it, Alex. What do you think? Uh, I think that it's interesting that we're getting into more mobile gaming. However, as I do not have an iPhone, I will not be participating. Yeah. <laughs> but I asked whether it's coming to Android, man. Is the it? Apple Arcade. I'm going to guess no, because it sounds like it's a proprietary thing unless Google wants to do Stadia and be like, no, we're we're totally going to do the same thing that Apple did, except on your phones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure where the push for mobile gaming is coming from. I know it's bigger in Japan. It's pretty big, right? And kind of some Don't you of people have phones? The Eastern countries, but I feel like it's not nearly as popular in Western culture nowadays. So it's interesting that Apple is choosing to invest in that um, without knowing the demographics that take that typically buy Android phones by country. I'm not sure if they will follow suit. Not to mention that if it's kind of an open source platform, it seems weird to create some sort of gaming program. Um, so I don't know. And I, I, I personally don't see how this will be all that successful. So I'd be surprised if Android kind of copied it very soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be positive and was hoping it was coming to Android because that's all I have, man. But <laughs> what, what games do you guys play on your phone? That's right. Um, I play Marvel Strike Force. Ooh. And now that I'm all lonely in KC with no friends, I also have a Wordscapes thing that I play when I'm at bars. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> that's I, the thing. I play two games. <laughs> but you well, play, play them constantly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I play them every day. Yeah, and I've played this Marvel Strike Force every day for at least a year now. Mm-hmm. There's something about those mobile games that just grab people. They're so easy to pick up and play. They are, but at the same time, I can't play like... I, I can only I can only play one or two mobile games at a time. I don't have the attention span to play 10 different mobile games at the same time because many of them follow the same format, especially all of those idle games. Now, I know that's not related to the Apple Arcade. I'd be very surprised if idle games were part of this premium game subscription. But at the same time, a lot of the mobile gaming industry, all of these genres have kind of collided into one medium and one program. And it's the same stuff. So... Yeah, that's true. You have a lot of like runner clones and things like that. When they had the temple run that got real popular, there's a lot of uh, just kind of iteration of things. Flappy Bird, I mean, they're still making clones of that. Yeah. All right. Tell me a little bit, as a non-gamer, what the Apple Arcade is promising as premium games. Because let me put it this way. The only game I'm really interested in playing on my phone is like a quiz. Like that one where you had like you could win up to twenty bucks or something like that, and it seems like because like Mike was saying with the wordscapes, that seems like a better place for you know phone games where it's just something sim- simple, quick. But what, what's a premium game going to look like? Is it like Assassin's Creed? Is it something crazy? 
Yeah, so what Mike's kind of talking about are a lot more casual games, which I think a lot of success has happened on mobile for those. But a lot of games that people have developed that are a little less casual, a little bit more like fully developed games that have like uh, inclusive loops and stuff like that, Apple Arcade wants to kind of draw that in and give them a safe haven, uh, get them more attention and also more money. Uh, some of the games they were displaying as uh, like future games that will be coming to the service um, were a lot of kind of what we see indie titles on consoles now. So they actually mm-hmm. had some deeper gameplay elements to them, um, and they didn't have like the loop of uh, you know buying five bucks of credits in order to play more that day or something like that. Uh, I saw a lot of like story-oriented games and adventure-oriented games, mm-hmm. um, some kind of conventional-style games. Uh, one of the big ones they were pushing in the trailer that I watched uh, was one of the creators of in the Final Fantasy series was making a game um, which looked like it was probably some sort of role-playing game in the Final Fantasy-like style. Um, And that one was kind of interesting because they were hand-making models of environments. So kind of like Star Wars where you're using models in the media, uh, but it doesn't look like a model. um, But it kind of... uh, It was like the setting was made of an actual 3D model and then they could use a camera to get whatever angles they wanted and then they had the actual digital character running from screen to screen, and each screen was like a static shot from somewhere mm-hmm. else in that model. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, I think one more thing to add to help um, Alex is, from what I can tell from their main screen here, is that Apple Arcade is meant to be across all of Apple's platforms. So it's, it's, it's iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, and even Mac support. So these games kind of fall into the same problem we hear about all the time where PC gamers feel that a lot of their games are restricted because developers are making it for the PC and the PS4 and the Xbox, etc. And so um, when we're talking about these games, it's a good point that Jacob brought up that they're not necessarily the bottom of the barrel clones that you see on the iPhone because they're also being designed in mind that people may be using them with a controller on a TV if they have Apple TV, just like if they were um, playing their PlayStation or an Xbox. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, the ideal is that they'll actually look at these games a little bit closer than (laughs) the games that they just allow to be posted on the App Store Mm willy-nilly. So, I mean, they probably will have to make some sort of uh, check. And right now, it almost seems like Apple is specifically recruiting people to make games. So it might even be a process where a game is considered for the service very early in development, and then it's kind of like adopted into that service, maybe getting additional funds from Apple or something like that, or just more of the public spotlight and, hey, maybe some supporter dollars or something that way Mm -hmm. to help the project reach fruition. But, uh, yeah, it does... 
it looks like actual gaming projects specifically done for this and trying to target a new era of games for Apple, which is kind of interesting. And I didn't realize it was for everything. I just yeah. saw this story and decided to throw it in. So thank you. Yeah, I, I think I think the success of it will kind of come down to whether or not because so many people have Apple TVs, whether or not that can actually become a gaming platform. Because it's not like you have to get people to go out and get Apple TVs. People have them all over the place. They love them. So now it's like, hey, now we have an app where you can actually play games. And if you're not at home and you're not on your couch playing it with the Apple TV, don't feel like you can't play it when you're on the bus or at work or something like that because it all transfers to your phone. Mm -hmm. And as long as the game is playable on your phone, you've kind of created something like a Nintendo Switch in a way. However, the hardware doesn't have to go with you because it's just on your phone when you're walking around. Whereas the Switch, you would, of course, have to bring the little tablet and all that with you wherever you go. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, the only concern I have at that point is that this, unlike recent announcements like the Google Stadia, um, is not related to streaming. So it does, you do have to have some hardware that's going to support the game. So I wonder Mm. in the future as they move on, you know, you'll probably have iPhones that are incapable of playing certain games that are released, Mm -hmm. especially as they get more ambitious. If mm-hmm. this, you know, is successful and continues, which I think it should be, it makes sense. But I think I think it has potential. Um, it reminds me of, and I forget the name of it, but I want to say three, four, maybe even five years ago, um, there was that little. It was this very small box that was announced. I forget the name of it, but it was essentially mobile gaming for your TV. And it completely flopped because the quality of games versus the price of the hardware was like awful. There was no value behind it. <laughs> no and, balance. And, and, and they went through Kickstarter and that kind of stuff and it got funded. But then when it went out to the market, it completely flopped. The Ouya, I think. O-U-Y-A. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah. of the NVIDIA Shield, but I was like, no, I think that was a little more premium. Yep. No, but the NVIDIA Shield's a good example too. You know, people don't want to play mobile games on their TV. But what people would love to do is play console games on their phone if it if the if the interface worked, right? So Right. I think that's the trick is that I think trying to get into the console, which I think this kind of is, trying to get into the console um industry is is difficult at this time. Yeah. Right. And I I think there's less of a stigma when you're playing games on your phone versus like you were talking about Switch. So I have a Switch and it's like thinking about this, I'd much rather play my Switch than play on my phone, but that's just me personally. And it's also like, yeah, I don't want to play mobile games on my TV because I have my Switch for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like all the stuff that I have on my Switch, they're also, a lot of them are on mobile. It's like some of them, all right, I can see that on my phone for a little bit, but to me it's like, well, if I'm going to play a game, I want to play it for a couple hours. And then that's on my phone. Even with my pretty nice phone that I have, it's still going to be a big draw. And I'm like, eh, if I have a Switch, I have a dedicated console for that and I can move around with it. That's my mobile. But like, I was the one thing that always jumped out to me was like Final Fantasy 15 has a pocket edition where it's like it's on Switch. It's even on Android and iOS now. It's like, god damn, that is a huge game. 
that like came out a couple of years back had all this hype and then you know they're porting it down into mobile because it's just such a massive market yeah and of course you can also buy that pocket edition which features you know very uh diminished graphics you can also play that on like the modern consoles that the full game was released on for some reason it's still like what 40 bucks i think something like that but uh yeah when you mentioned there being a stigma against uh like bringing a switch on the bus or something like that versus just whipping your phone out i thought the direction you were going was I can actually see <laughs> playing in a game on my phone on the bus or wherever else I am in the world instead of taking my Switch. But you went the opposite way with that. <laughs> Mind games. But uh, no, games. I, I think that represents like an important uh, distinction that there are some people that are more serious about gaming that will you know invest in something like the Switch to make it more portable, to make their games more portable. And then there are other audiences which either find uh, mobile ga- ugh, mobile, mobile games <laughs> mobile games intriguing and worth spending their time, even if it is just like a five minute bus ride or something like that, or uh, right. even just people who enjoy playing games and don't want to hassle themselves by bringing something bulky, like Michael's saying. But yeah, um, yeah. We'll have to see. All I'm saying is I'm not getting an iPhone. <laughs> Which is why I asked the question, is it coming to Android? Apple. Will we be able to get this beautiful new service uh, everywhere? And, yeah, obviously I think it's going to be limited to Apple. But uh, yep. Right, at some point maybe there's like... You never know. But well, I mean, I mean that, that the O-U-Y-A, I really don't know how to say it. I'm just going to call it O-U-Y-A. Yeah. Um, that was Android Gaming, and I looked it up. Right. It was released in 2013, and it, oh, um, it was it was Android Gaming um, for your TV essentially, right. and um, it was it, it flopped it flopped pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so, but that was you know something that was completely unrelated from the developers, and I think hopefully Apple trying to kind of integrate this a little bit more, talk to developers, and kind of kickstart it a little bit put some value into the service rather than just counting on people, you know, seeing what's already there and saying, I want to put that on my TV. And also, you know, this is just a subscription service. So if it's cheap enough and you get enough content, some people are going to be really happy with that probably. Well, and, and the hardware really isn't, isn't an obstacle like it was with the Ouya because you, you buy the Ouya, it's a hundred bucks and all it does is the gaming. You buy an Apple TV for 150 bucks, and you essentially just turned your TV into a smart TV. So you know, and then the subscriptions—I don't know. I'll be—I'll be nice and say five dollars a month, maybe ten dollars a month. Sure. Um, yeah, I think if, they would have that... to be competitive with mobile games. But then again, we don't know. More so. to come. So, yeah. so yeah, if, if it's just a subscription on top of, I mean, my mom's got like five Apple TVs, so it's like, <laughs> it is, there's no hardware obstacle for her. If she gets a TV, she's like, I need a TV for my bathroom. Oh, now I need an Apple TV. It's like, <laughs> go. Shit and uh, Marvel Hero Quest or whatever it's called, right? 
Strike Force, right? Marvel Strike Force? <laughs> Marvel Hero yeah, that's Quest. The one. That's the popular game that people would be mad at heroes. me for not remembering the name of. <laughs> I don't think the one I play is all that popular with the players. I think there's a lot of people playing it, but a lot of disgruntled people mm. playing it. Gotcha. Well, moving on, the next story, uh, Judgment is a video game published by Sega, and it's kind of a spiritual successor to the Yakuza games, has experienced some controversy lately. Uh, Due out later this year, one of the title's actors was arrested for uh, alleged use of cocaine. Uh, Of course... Sega has decided to basically replace that actor, even though the content he was involved in was mostly finished. Uh, Good news, though. Sega has also reported that this change will supposedly not impact the release date in the U.S., even as they work to alter the affected character for the U.S. release. Uh, The question for you, is cocaine worse than sake? You at home. Wow, that's not where I thought that was going to go. But yes. Yeah, yeah I'd say cocaine's worse than sake. Yes. <laughs> so an addiction Speaking of. to cocaine is worse than sake, I would, I would guess then. Is, is anyone addicted to sake? Uh, I mean, alcoholism. Sake, please. Alcoholism. But sake... Sp- Specifically, there's better. I'm, I'm just throwing there's that out Japanese there because it's like Japanese beers. and this guy's Japanese. But, okay. Uh, it's the last Japanese bear I had. Let's see if I can yeah, remember it. Yeah, so my, my vote is cocaine is worse than sake. All right. All right. Final answer. And uh... <laughs> You are the weakest link. Goodbye. So I, I think we would uh, say that Sega is uh, making the right decision <laughs> by kicking this guy out, kicking him to the curb, and uh, replacing him. Huh? We've uh, we've seen kind of a trend recently where if an actor or actress even, although it's mostly been actors, uh, do something that is decidedly wrong and against the code or laws of the nation they belong to, they're kind of uh, removed from a lot of the projects they're working on. I just kind of thought this was a uh, interesting case because it happened in gaming very recently. Uh, it's also interesting to note that like a lot of uh, websites that were covering this were stating that Japan has a very serious, um, which they do, yeah, serious approach to drug use, like cocaine and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Almost a little too much. I mean, I. I think the U.S. does also, kind of, but <laughs> I think cocaine's pretty bad for us. Uh... <laughs> well, I just, uh, I'm assuming that, I, well, actually, I don't know. Let me look up this guy. Pierre Taki is his name. I think it's interesting that this guy was arrested in Japan as a Japanese citizen. Uh-huh. But then Sega's response is, we will remove him from the Western release. So the release that's already come out in Japan is not going to be edited out. Oh, uh, I think it is. They took it off of uh, like PlayStation Store and everything because it had okay. already released when this happened. So they have stopped selling it until they change it. Okay, got it. 
But, uh, yeah, so for now, Japan, even though it should have been released there, people are going to have to wait to buy it until he's replaced. <laughs> you know, Japan is super, super conservative, and they're super... It, it's really super strict. But at the same time, it's like, well, America's also becoming stricter. But, uh, yeah. Will impact when the game is released in Japan now, because... It's now going to be released a second time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the U.S. release should be uh, undamaged or undelayed. Uh, and I believe it's releasing in June sometime. June or July. But, uh, alright. Moving on <laughs> to the next story. Rats are now a means of smuggling contraband into prison. Uh, some guys just walked up to a prison fence in the UK and tossed some dead rats over. Uh, the story from uh, Sky News, which sounds ominously like Skynet, <laughs> uh, says Skynet. that the rats had been thrown over the prison fence and a prisoner had been waiting to collect them, uh, according to the Ministry of Justice. Uh, they also go on to mention that three of the rodents were found inside the perimeter fence at HMP Guy's Marsh in Dorset in what is thought to have been the first case of its kind. Staff patrolling the prison opened the rats up after noticing that their stomachs had been stitched up, and they found that the rats' insides had been removed and replaced with five mobile phones and chargers, three SIM cards, cigarette papers, and drugs including spice and cannabis. So uh, now I ask you guys, what will be used for storing contraband next? Your mom's butt. <laughs> oh, got, got him! him. All right. <laughs> got him. Supposing I ever am in prison, I, I don't think there's any other situation that would happen. I hope. All right. First things first. How was that the first time that's ever happened in UK history? Like that is literally how you did siege warfare back in the day. You threw dead rats over walls, like stuffing them with drugs. All right, cool. But like, say every fifth rate crime show in its like sixth season has that as a path. Like, all right, let's just you know cut open the rats, put stuff in here, and then throw it over there. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> well, I think the most common. Thing with dead rats going over fences into prison are probably people who are angry at uh, the criminals. But yeah, this is probably uh, new. I mean, get those prisons in South America where it's just, hey, you know, it's time to open the gates. Hey man, just it, come back. It's only a matter of time before we find a bug that we can infect with some sort of drug and then get that bug into jail and then they will attach it to the prisoner and then get him high from the bug. My God. There you go. Bug contraband. You heard it here first. Insect contraband. That's next. We're just getting smaller and smaller. Or is it a giant ass bug? Well, it's got to be something that you can imagine being in a prison, right? Uh, I can imagine a dead rat being in a prison. Okay, yeah. So like a cockroach. Yeah. Probably. Oh yeah, those things. Those things can't be killed by anything. That's perfect. <laughs> cockroaches. That's how they're going to do it. Yep. Mutated cockroaches. 
Let's go on what I got, which is passenger pigeons. Hear me out. Uh-huh. They fly. They go. They know where to go. They'll go through all the corridors and hallways right to the cell. Uh-huh. Get yeah. your stuff. You know, put on a little bit back just because we want to be all-inclusive, full service. And then, you know, um, criminal mastermind. Full service. <laughs> full service. Yeah, and I'm sure it'd be totally, totally not obvious that yeah, there's a pigeon the flying around a prison. Listen, if you put a badge on a pigeon, what's the difference? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Posing as security guards. I see. So, uh, it all out. I'd like to amend that by suggesting, since this is the UK, uh, owls, to theme it after Harry Potter. Yeah? Ew. But I guess Alex did not appreciate that addition. <laughs> As a true Anglophile, you have to get the TARDIS from Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Harry Potter. That would kitty shit. The TARDIS could probably pose as a trash can. So there you go. Uh, no Man's Sky is a video game that released a couple of years ago, which promised incredible intergalactic adventure. It disappointed upon release, but now, years later, the game has been updated with several free expansions to make it better. Hello Games, the developers, just announced their newest and probably best edition yet. VR. Yep. Virtual reality. Uh, Do we even want to talk about this? Sure. Though you brought it up, I, I figured someone <laughs> wants to talk about it. I'll fucking talk about it. <laughs> go All ahead. Right. All right, let's go. So yeah. this is bullshit, right? Because this is the same platform that developers across the industry are using to release their games. And Hello Games got a lot of flack because, and I forget the guy's name, but that one guy was in the media constantly going up to the release, promising all these great things. But meanwhile, Star Citizen, which is a game that has accumulated at this point millions of dollars in funding, is still not released with all the stuff that they've promised. And it's been like six or seven years. And then you've got early access on Steam, and you've got other programs that I can't think of the name of, unfortunately. Because I'm really read up and I'm really, really intelligent. I know all these things. I mean, this is this is how people are doing it all the time. And so as much as people are upset at No Man's Sky, it's like you guys as consumers are supporting these programs across the board. And developers are starting to make it normal to say, here's the game. Oh, and six months down the road, here's some of the content we promised. And then a year after launch, here's the rest of the content. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the uh, distinction we're looking for here is um, I, I think I think there's been similar backlash seen in other games that release as premium experiences that are games that really need to still have a significant amount of work put in on them. The early access moniker, in most cases, you know, suggests a lower price tag for an unfinished product that's expected. To take more time and no man's sky was kind of announced and all of these opportunities were promised and nothing was said to really be uh something that you'd have to wait a couple years for 
Mm-hmm. It was everybody expected a $60 experience. So when they paid $60 and received a $20 early access experience, I think people were officially upset. You, we've seen similar with some like games as a service games uh, like Destiny <laughs> uh, or more recently Anthem. Uh, games where they might be lacking in content or in functionality, uh, be buggy beyond belief, um, have too many load screens, anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think the uproar was justified, but at the same time, uh, I I do agree with what you're saying, Mike, and that they have been singled out more than really anybody else for a longer period of time. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction you brought up regarding the price tag, because it is true that $60 is an incredible amount of money to pay for media, especially if it is, quote unquote, unfinished from what people expected. If you promise all these things and they were just straight up lies. And then actually I looked up, but there were a select few Explorer editions when the game was launched that were for $149 on Steam. I mean, that is obscene. Um, At the same time, I've gotten to the point, and I'm not like, I'm not being like an apologist for the developers, but I've gotten to the point where video game consumers have acted immaturely for so long. And it's, it's a younger demographic, so I get why, right? I get it because people who tend to play video games tend to be teenagers or younger, or even in their early 20s. But at the same time, it's like, don't pre-order games, right? I mean, that is that is an easy way to not get burned on games, is to not pre-order them. Wait for the reviews to come out. That is that is an easy way to avoid all of this. That's kind of the nice thing in having this huge industry where there's a ton of reviewers, is that there's a bunch of people who are supported financially enough that they can go off and they can either buy the game or maybe even get a key for the game right before it's released play it for 20 to 40 hours and have a good review out within days of it being launched. So I don't know. I I think the fault, I think that the industry has inherent corruption and lies within it. I mean, there are plenty of groups that do not have the consumer's best interests at heart. And I think it's time that people have to wake up and realize that. Yeah, true. Uh, So many false promises that people can rely on and just pre-order at the same time. Some people will pre-order products because they want to support the developers. Case in point, Sekiro, which just released from From Software, I was dangerously close to pre-ordering it. Not only because if I pre-ordered a GameStop, I would get a uh, a little letter opener in the shape of a katana. I mean, that was enticing. Oh but my also, god. Yes. Literally that's that's the pre order bonus. How is that a letter enticing? opener? In a shape of a katana. Buy a, katana a letter opener. But a katana. Oh god. It was pretty cool. But uh also I just wanted to support the guys because I love their games. I love the Dark Souls series. And I have never once bought one of their games anywhere close to the launch day. Uh, I think some companies build up fans. Uh, Anthem is a good example of fans who got burned, but who, you know, sure enough, bought that game on release day because not only were they excited because it looked good, but it was made by BioWare, like one of the most 
proven pedigreed companies to make video games, or not companies, but developer, I guess, um, to make video games. And Anthem just was unfinished. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, well, Ben, if you want to support the developers, the game's not going to go down in price after launch. It's not like you pre-order at 60 and then it immediately drops down to 40 I mean, how long was Grand Theft Auto at 60 bucks after it was released? <laughs> years. Several years. Oh yeah, it was it's insane. So I get it. I get that you want to support developers, but I'm not in the I'm not in the mind of, oh, all of their past games were really good. I want to support the developers. I'll pre-order it. It's like I'm going to support you on a game by game basis because as you just kind of said with BioWare, it's only a matter of time before the publishers direct developers to make bad decisions. Right. And Bioware is starting to become one of those groups that people are like, you know what? EA has put their fingers in a little too deep and these guys are not making quality content at launch. So as much as I would have supported Bioware five years ago, now I'm a little more hesitant. Right. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit on the uh, pre-order thing as well. Um, Because... Waiting waiting for the game to launch to see the reviews is one thing. But on the other hand, uh, if you don't play the game first and then read a bunch of opinions after, which I always do, I pretty much always read the reviews before I purchase, then you might go in biased and never get the game at all. But it might be a game you really enjoy. Uh, another case, uh, I recently purchased Agents of Mayhem, which has widely been panned by critics as not being as good as Volition's previous games in the Saints Row series. Mm -hmm. I did buy it on sale for only $5, but man, is that worth $5. (laughs) Yeah, but... It's a good game. Yeah, it's a good game for $5, right? Yeah. I would... I I foresee myself spending 30, maybe 40 hours with that game, at least. Um, And I think at that point, that's worth $60, because there are games you can buy for $60 that will give you less time than that. Well, and I think that every, I think every individual consumer has to evaluate what $60 is is worth to them, and so... That's um, true. So I think that's a good point that you bring up. I just... And I get the fear of missing out, too. I kind of get that with online games, where if you don't play when it first comes out and you wait a month, all of a sudden everyone's better than you and they're level 25, 30, and you come in and you're getting your shit pushed in. So I I get that you want to be a part of something right away. But I don't know. I just do whatever you want. By all means, pre-order if that's what you want to do. I just, I have zero empathy for people who pre-order and get burned time and time again, and then complain that the developers are ruining the industry. You are, you are giving into their practices. You are supporting this culture and that's on you. If you really want to make intelligent decisions, there's ways to do that. You can find reviewers that have similar tastes to your own and try and trust them and see what they have to say about things. Like as much as I love Dunkey and I think he's super entertaining, I will never buy a game based on his review because <laughs> his interests do not align with my own. And while I support Dunkey, if he said, 
Sekiro was a fantastic game, I'd be like, well, I think I need a second opinion before I invest in that. Yeah. Right. Sure. And so I want to weigh in real quick. Nope. Uh, nope. Speaking nope. as what? someone. What about Michael? Who... So anyway. <laughs> because I pre-ordered Sekiro, actually. Uh-huh. Surprise. Did you get the letter or These two. No, I did not. I just pre-ordered off with Target because it was you part did of it wrong. Was like, you did it wrong. GameStop had. I know. I saw wanted. that later, and I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. But then other times you get like Fallout seventy six, where you're supposed to get you know a nice wine glass, and then it's just a piece of plastic shit. So in <laughs> in that case, okay. in that case, people paid extra for the piece of shit. Yep, just like the Witcher free pre-order bonus. Because, like, what it goes down to, Mike, you're right. It's like, all right, if you want to support the developer, just give them money directly. You're not supporting them by pre-ordering. What you're doing is literally saying, I want this game. I want it now. I want to try it, no matter how crappy it is, no matter how good it is. I want this game. I want it, like, now. So, and especially with digital pre-orders now, where it's like, all right, you're downloading it, you're the first thing, you get to see the stuff. So... For me, literally pre-ordering is just like, yeah, you know, that game looks cool. I want to play it at some point, so you know what? I'm just going to get it because to me, I don't care enough to be like, all right, no, I'm going to wait for a sale. I'm going to wait for this. I'm going to wait for that. It's more literally, all right, do I have the funds right now? Do I feel like buying this? Sure. That's why I got Devil May Cry 5. And again, it's also, you know, there is a little bit of deal so that I can get off if you pre-order with special stuff because, you know, you follow specific subreddits where it's like, oh, there's this deal and you're saving so much money. I'm like, yeah, you know, that makes sense because at some point I'm going to buy it and, you know, I'm going to play it. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. But, hey, it's there. It also helps to have the mountains of money that you have, Alex. So. <laughs> False. <laughs> I used to have mountains of money, listeners. Used to. But now, now I'm a hobo in the woods. My PS4, my Switch, and my great computer that doesn't break down ever. No Apple TV, though. No Apple TV, no. Google all the way. Google Amazon. <laughs> they own my uh, first and second child. <laughs> all right. Uh, The next story is about this man in Mexico named uh, Cosimo Caballero. Uh, I might be pronouncing that wrong. In fact, I definitely am. Uh, Is planning to build a border wall out of cheese. Uh, From a HuffPost article, it reads, Cosimo Caballero said his giant cheese wall will be built in Tecate, Mexico, or Tecate, I don't know. Tecate, sure Tecate yeah. <laughs> uh, 40, Just like the beer. 45 feet from the real border. He's starting with 200 blocks made from cocha, uh, a hard style of Mexican cheese, and figures he will need uh, 8,800 more blocks to complete his vision. A cheese wall is something I've wanted to do for 20 years, Caviero told HuffPost. When you come to a barrier or a boundary, you want to expand beyond it. Caviero will start building his wall of curd at 4 p.m. Pacific time and stream it on Facebook. He will try to get as much of the wall as possible completed by Thursday. He said he would like to keep the wall going, but admitted there's a possibility it may fall apart or animals might eat parts of it. But that, to him, is part of the artistic process. 
Uh, question, would you eat that cheese? Also, is this cheese wall environmentally unfriendly? Will it be unsafe to eat after some period of time? So I don't like cheese, so I'm not eating it now. Oh. Yes. I'll you brought the cheese. wrong guy on the podcast <laughs> for that question. I did. I did. Yeah, I got to admit I didn't consider that. I'll eat the cheese for the good of world peace. In the name of world peace, yeah. Uh, if animals eat it after, say, a day in the sun, do you think it's going to kill some animals? Um, can, can dairy do that? I, a good question. I mean, I know it spoils. It can give you like food poisoning, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming, yeah, after a day in the sun. I'm assuming some animals will die from this, but I don't know. Really? I doubt it. Can cheese kill animals? All right, well, Mike's looking up this cheese. super Rotten sitting in the sun cheese and because like this is stuff that these animals aren't gonna be able to eat in one sitting like these are some big bricks he made yeah a little piece here a little piece there get some dead rats for the prison <laughs> that's true they can probably find a lot of dead rats down by this wall and so the wall works problem solved for rats who said that wasn't the goal in the first place? <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe there's something sinister behind it. There's art, and then there's, you know, killing rats. Mm-hmm. I think both go hand in hand. I think, from what I'm seeing, I think food poisoning is about as bad as it gets. So you I'm can't not sure die no from food poisoning, though? Well, I would assume that if you're really young or really old, you can die from food because your body's not expelling the bacteria the way it should. And I mean, like animals with a year or two lifespan are pretty much always young and old. So I think there's going to be a lot of dead. Uh, there is a another story I'd like to talk about. Another one. This one's kind of dark. Hopefully that's not trademarked. It's a, uh, we're starting with the quote from NBC News uh, reporter Deray Gregorian. There's a lot of names today I can't say. Uh, the U.S. government scientists bought hundreds of dogs and cats from Asian meat markets and conducted, conducted experiments that included feeding their remains to healthy lab cats for needless research, according to a disturbing watchdog report being released Tuesday. Other experiments at the U.S. Department of Agriculture's lab in Maryland included feeding dog remains to cats and injecting cat remains into mice. The report by the White Coat, White Coat Waste Project found. The group is a nonprofit that combats wasteful government spending on animal testing. Uh, I found articles on this story from other sources like Time Magazine and the Washington Post, so the story uh, seems to have found merit in other major media outlets. <laughs> I hope it's not really true. Uh, my question to you guys is, do you eat cat? Uh, if so, why? And if not, sorry, but 
apparently this research that they were doing doesn't really apply to you. And so I'm not sure why the U.S. government is doing it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thoughts? So controversial stance, but I do not eat cats. Mm, I'd like to weigh in with uh, Hardy also. I do not eat cats. Yeah, me But talking about stuff like this with the clickbaity stuff, and it's like, yeah, all right, that shit that goes on. Like there was that thing about duck penises. Like a couple of years ago, I was like, why the hell are we studying ducks and how they reproduce? And it turned out, like, after you went through all the, okay, this is why it was, and, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's literally science. Like, it's really stupid, but, hey, here's the question that they were testing. Here's the results that they found. That's so like, all right, well, weird, you know, whatever. I don't see the scientific merits, but, hey, science is, you know, a big field. Far wow. be it for me to read the actual study and be like, okay, well, you, you, you literally, you, like, I'm just trying to think of the researchers trying to present that. So, so you're telling me you went to China, you found some dead cats somewhere, whatever, and then you just kind of were like, you know what, what happens if we put these in the rats? Uh-huh. And it's like, just getting, like, okay, like, what, what are you actually what's, testing? What's weird about that? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, what are you testing, though? Well, initially, like, reports were that they were testing, uh, apparently, cat poop. uh, If they were infected with this certain disease, because it was some disease that was uh, being transmitted from cat poop to human beings. Mm -hmm. So, in order to kind of analyze that, they were infecting some of the cats with other cats but then it doesn't explain why they were injecting the cats into rats that there was nothing i could find explaining that but uh also i don't think that you need to have a cat eat another cat in order for the cat to get diseased uh one of the other sticking issues was that uh these cats that were infected then after the disease passed through their system, because it took like two weeks and then they right. were non-contagious, right. they were uh, put down Yeah. Uh, instead of, you know, used again for any other reason, which perhaps then maybe they had an immunity to it or uh. <laughs> uh, being put in like shelters or something like that for adoption, because according to reports, they were perfectly healthy after that point. Because it is, right. it was something that just passed through them rather than like infecting them. Right, uh, and then you go to a shelter and you're like, these these cats were used in experiments, so you know, here's Fluffy, uh, have fun. <laughs> but I, you know, it's really really shitty. I, I obviously animal testing is some of the like the crap that they do. Yeah, no, it's tough. But at the same time, it's like, well, that stuff happens. Yeah, there were also some reports that there were initially some results early in experimentation, but then the experiments continued for another 20 years without any results whatsoever, nothing conclusive. Right, and sometimes experiments do that. It was something that was unnecessarily being continued for a number of years without any public transparency, and it's something that I think, you know immediately grab somebody's attention when you start hearing about uh feeding cats to other cats <laughs> right uh, like i'm saying if you talk to the researchers they'll be like no we didn't feed other cats to other cats 
we fed humans the cats. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people would be pretty concerned about that too. Ah, it's fine. It's science, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not well, only no, does I mean, he pre-order games, he thinks cats eating cats are okay. <laughs> Nobody likes just you. cats eating cats. Dogs eating cats, no go. Oh, okay, that's where you draw that line. I have standards. I believe they also did that too, though. <laughs> cool, right. good to know. Yeah. Um, moving on, in slightly less disgusting news, a woman in Greece made a suit out of plastic bags. Uh, HuffPost writes, The 75-year-old woman from Greece in western New York wild away the winter knitting a skirt and jacket from filmy brown bags scissored into thin strips that were tied together to make yarn. She lined it with cotton fabric. 300 bags total. Uh, my question is this. Is lining it with cotton cheating? Feels like that to me. okay i'm gonna go with no just to be like no i want to see it on the on the uh, catwalk (laughs) topical uh next screen uh i mean all right it was gonna be a bag suit and then now it's a cotton and bag suit but all right whatever all right no the headline was bag suit and then it said cotton so i'm a little Sounds like the news cheated you less or more than the actual person did. Ooh, yeah. Sounds like a clickbait title if I've ever heard one. Well, I mean, she probably pitched it to them that way, and then they were like, God damn it, we have to report the whole truth. Maybe. Uh, my other question can oh, she put gosh, this in right. the dryer? I have no idea. Can she put it in the dryer? Mm hmm. Uh, it would melt, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess that, like, I haven't put plastic bags in the dryers. Uh, I'll go do it, Alex. Go do it now and report back well, to us with your findings. Don't yeah, worry, money we'll bags next time. Money bags. That's right. My bags of plastic money. <laughs> what, ha- what, happens they... to, what happens to plastic under severe heat? All right, while he's looking that up, though, so I have seen pictures of garbage clothes. They're pretty fashionable, I got to say. Some of that yeah. stuff, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I, yeah. I just don't, I just don't know. Because plastic is, plastic handles heat poorly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it would, it would, like, melt. Like, if you put, if you put plastic in the microwave. Yeah. Let me, let me put it this way. I barely passed AP Biology. And that was the last time I did anything. This with isn't biology. The... <laughs> See what I'm saying? This is like material science, right. man. God. Yeah. I it would it would it would melt or deform in some way. It would have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, all right, Castlevania, Contra, and several other classic arcade games from Konami are coming to modern game stations, baby. Supposedly, they'll have modern features built in. I'm assuming that will be online leaderboards as well as possibly online play, uh, (laughs) achievements and trophies, stuff like that. $60 price tag, I'm sure. (laughs) Pre-order now. A few years ago, Konami backstabbed arguably their most iconic video game developer, 
Hideo Kojima, creator of the Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid game series. Uh, the question is, will these games convince us to forgive them? And uh, Alex, rabid collector Alex. of modern video games, do you plan to buy these classics in their updated form? That's actually a good question. For right now, no. But game emulation is an interesting topic, which I want to look into further. Because, speaking as somebody who literally, I had a PS2, I had like five or six games, and then it was like, you know, whatever the crap my parents would buy me. So one of them I remember vividly, and if anybody ever hears this, Fur Fighters. Oh my god, this was this little third-person shooter with a bunch of stuffed animals, like speaking like fucking sailors, like squaring I'm, and doing I'm sorry, all this crazy stuff. Say... Fur person shooter? Fur fighters, if I'm remembering correctly. Right, but you see. said fur person shooter, right? It was a fur, fur person, person shooter, sure. No, it's a fur person shooter. <laughs> free. Uh, but, God, that game was a piece of crap, and yet I loved it. Loved the crap out of it. And now, stuff like like uh, another one, PS2 game, which is fairly... It's more well-known, but it's not, like, SXX Tricky or other the big ones I played, like FIFA, Jack 2, blah, blah, Downhill Domination. God, if they ever made a remaster of Downhill Domination, all on that shit. But I can never play it again because my old PS4, like, broke down. I was like, screw it. You know, I'm just going to sell it. I'm not really into games at the moment. Set out the PS4 pre-generation. And now when I have my PS4, I can play a few PS2 on PS4 games, but it's not, it's not the same. So... Maybe at some point, but I want to play the games that I love to play, like NFL Street. That's really what I want back. It's it's like I get the I get the importance of saving important games in the canon, you know. But it's like again to someone that's not a huge gamer and is like the skill level is crappy. What what is there to me? Like I'd rather just watch a let's play with somebody like that I like listening to explain what's going on rather than trying to fumble my way through it. When I can, you know, play a modern game and be like, all right, yeah, I more or less get what's going on. This is nice quality, whatever. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate that you were really driving all your points home with that cup that you're banging on a desk. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Very active. <laughs> active uh, speaking, huh? Yes. Well, yes, I yes. was actively listening. That's my say. And so is I saw Symphony of the Night as I don't know, what what are the ones that they're playing? Oh I thought that was the the modern the classic. That's a good question. Uh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I can I look, look it up, up on my microphone's of, in the way of my keyboard. Right. I'm scared of my computer crashing again, so <laughs> um, uh, it's all the good what? ones, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, I think Symphony of the Night was not on there. <laughs> right, because I'm saying Symphony of the Night already is on PS4. Like, it's yeah. It's recent sale, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But, uh... That's yeah. more or less all the only Castlevania I know, so... Uh -huh. uh, Mike, do you think this is enough for us to forgive Konami? No. Why... <laughs> why why uh, why forgive so, so well i mean no but here's a question right why how come when people do and 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 this is coming so so let me back up a second i don't know specifically what happened between konami 
and the developer of Metal Gear Solid. I don't know specifically what happened. I don't know if if Konami is actually at fault for what happened. So I'm going to start with the premise that Konami did bad things to Hideo, and that's why he left. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to start at that premise. <sighs> when 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 corporate entities do bad things, why is why is the relation to gamers that oh you came out with a good game everything is forgiven when someone does something bad to someone else why is it okay for konami to turn around and say here's some great games and you're like uh, don't worry about konami all that stuff under the bridge thanks for bringing back a 20 year old game or however old castlevania is i mean i don't get it like there's really no forgiving people for doing bad things it's just you keep that in your mind and your life okay konami might backstab some of their developers good to know for the future in either case yeah and i don't know i don't know how old these games are but it can't take a lot of effort to bring back old games so no that would not be enough for me if i was to forgive konami yeah well i mean they did endure a lot of shit for uh, metal gear survive uh deservedly so i think many would say um but who knows? Yeah, I don't think this would be enough for me either, as I don't share any personal stake. But then again, there could be some people who kind of weigh these arcade classics more heavily than they ever did something like Metal Gear Solid. I'm personally a big fan of that game series, but I'm sure there are plenty of people who played arcade games and stuff like that in the day who never touched Metal Gear Solid. Uh yeah, and so what I'll say too is before last year, I never understood why old games being remastered was so big for some people. Like people loved it. Like, oh my God, another Wind Waker edition remaster. Oh, that's amazing. I can't, I can't wait to play it. It's like, dude, you've played this game five different times already. Why do you need another remaster? Nintendo's the best company. No, they keep giving you the same game on a new console. After last year when Spyro came out and Crash came out the year before, I want to say. Or maybe it was last year, too. Yeah, I want to say it was last year, but whatever, go ahead. Yeah, Crash Um, came out. Yeah, I'll go with Alex's. (laughs) um, I'm always right. After those games came out, I realized that when you do have an emotional connection to a series and it gets revived after years and years that sometimes it's worth the money. So, you know, I get that to some people, this stuff is big. Like, oh my God, Contra, I played that so much when I was two in 1980 or whenever it came out. But um, this stuff happens all the time, this remaster stuff. And it's just like kind of garbage. And I can't believe people get excited about arcade remasters. Like this game has been... You know, I'm being hypocritical because I just said how much Spyro and Crash mean to me. But, like, Contra was released in what? Contra release date. 1987. This game has existed for over 30 years. And someone's really getting excited that they're creating an anniversary edition? Uh Like, come on. you got to move on with your life. It's not just the first (laughs) Contra, though. Oh, Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's more. Okay. It's, it's uh, I believe it's a four game collection similar to the way uh, Castlevania is four, I think. Um, but also to kind of mention the point you were talking about, the Spyro and Crash remasters were like recreations. 
something that you can appreciate in this day and age for like modern graphics rather than just kind of upscaling the existing graphics. These, it kind of looks to be uh, just kind of a re-release rather than like a update. Um, I'm not 100% yeah. sure about that because I don't think we've seen gameplay or anything like that, but they don't seem to be touting anything like that, and I'd expect they would be. Uh, like saying, oh, look how beautiful it is now, uh, or how beautiful it's going to be. <laughs> um, I don't think... They have the development teams to do that anymore. I think they've pretty much just banded that because Konami is primarily focused on pachinko machines now. Yep. Um, yeah. Looking at looking at this, so there's three collections. There's an arcade classics, which is 1980s hits. There's the Castlevania Anniversary, which is eight titles, four of which have been confirmed: Castlevania, Castlevania Two, Castlevania Three, and Super Castlevania Four. Which, out of those four, the most recent one was released for the Super NES. That's how old that game is. And then there's the Contra Anniversary, which Contra 3 being the newest one released on the Super NES. These games are old as dirt. I do not understand why people get excited about this kind of stuff. Because they're famous. That's why. But are they even fun to play anymore? It's like yes. go, it's like going back and watching like some of those old TV sitcoms from the seventies and eighties. Some of those do not live up; they have not aged well. Some of those have not aged well, and I think it's safe to say that there are games that were released over thirty years ago that probably haven't aged well, and that we have surpassed time and time again technologically. And, like, I don't understand. Like, oh, I can't wait to play 2D Contra. It's like, dude, you're a loser. You got to <laughs> you gotta move on with your life. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, it goes back to, well, no, I played this when I was a kid and I loved being a kid and it was so fun because it's an emotional connection. And then the other one is, well, this game made history, so let's, you know, redo it. Because that goes back to, like, there was a long article, as we all got. This was, like, four or five months ago about how, you know, a bunch of games from when games were first developing are just straight up gone, just like films, because it's like, well, you can't preserve them, you can't do crap like that, crap like this, whereas the bigger, the famous ones, the ones that, you know, were popular for their time, they survive. They get remastered. They get, you know, you get the, the what is it now in Okami? It's got to be, like, on the sixth edition or something. Yeah. It got remastered for PS3 and then for PC, for the Switch, for, for the PS4. Switch. It's going to come to mobile. Don't worry about it. You can play it on Apple's service. Uh, <laughs> That's but, not an actual story. We don't know that. <laughs> hey, I, I can predict the future, maybe. I'm going to hedge that my bet. But that did bring up a random question to me, though, because it's like, what, what – when they talk about modern features, like what what modern features are you adding that made the game fun? Because you're right, Mike. At a certain point, it's like this game was made in 1980. There's only so much you can do to like change the basic gameplay. Let me ask this: uh, Super Mario Maker. A lot of people enjoyed that. It pretty much. I mean, a lot of those levels are just the very first Super Mario Bros, and then Super Mario Bros 2, and 3, and then, like, whatever the next one was. Sure, right. That gameplay still holds up. And the same yeah. can be said of other older games. Uh, Castlevania is probably a good example, and that's uh, Metroid 2. 
And that's the reason why there have been so many modern games that have been in the Metroidvania genre, as they call it. Both of those games are iconic side-scrolling platformer games um, that had more depth than Mario did. So, counterpoint to what you guys are saying, like, why do you think these games aren't fun? Because I didn't play them. (laughs) (laughs) Because some things interest me more than others. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Because as a game, yeah, no one ones and zeros of guy goes here, guy does that. Whereas, you know, with books, it's like, I like different stories because, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whereas gameplay, I like this, I like that, you know. Um, Versus, like... And some things you're just going to be like, yeah, no, everybody likes it, I don't, and that's okay. Uh, to me, like like you were saying with the Mario, with the Metroidvania, some stuff just holds up over time, mm-hmm. and you can do new stuff to make it interesting. But it doesn't. it's not a selling point to me to go back in an old game and be like, hey, you can do this stuff that you can do in this modern game. Now in this old game, now I don't have a good example, unfortunately. Well, I'm trying to think of one, but as, so so my my point would be I don't find 2D platforming side scrollers more fun than many other games that I get to play. Mm-hmm. As much as people like Mario, even the 2D Mario, if you ask people what are the best Mario games, many of them will say Mario 64, Mario Odyssey, Mario Sunshine. You know, Donkey will say Mario 2. I still don't know if that's a joke or not. Um, I don't. I think just. It is, but you don't. Yeah, I just. It... I, I I inherently do not um, find two D side scrolling games more appealing than other games that I play. So when someone says, "I think Castlevania is one of my favorite games," I I have a disconnect with that person because I'm like, I don't understand. I would much rather play any game that's three dimensional than Castlevania. I do not find that stuff fun. I do not invest in the indie industry with those right. games. They do not appeal to me. I do not like them. I find them restrictive. Yeah. Um, and it changes from game to game, but like that's just a case where I disagree. My personal tastes do not align with yours. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that these are going to... I don't think they're going to perform amazingly. I think you'll have some people that are nostalgic for it. Some people will probably go for that Castlevania collection because it has a name similar to like people would go for old Mario games because they're familiar with Mario. Contra, I feel like uh, I've played a little bit of Contra before and it is so amazingly difficult and also just incredibly old game at this point that I think a lot of people will ignore that except for fans and of course that other arcade collection that kind of has a hodgepodge uh a lot of those games i'm actually familiar with uh on the nes uh or just arcades in general from like very early childhood for me but uh i would i suppose i would consider getting that but it would never be at the price point that they're gonna launch it at i'm sure but uh what if it was zero dollars I will say, um, one thing I'd ask you, even though you're not interested in a lot of these uh, two-dimensional games, probably, in general, um, how do you guys feel about one of the most massive uh, 
new 2D games that released in the past few years, Undertale. Have either of you been interested in or played Undertale? No, I have zero interest in playing Undertale. Yeah, I have interest, and I shall at some point, I guess. Yeah. That's all I can say. I've heard good things. I mean, again, I'm, like, spoiler, I like to read a lot of stuff where it's about the story, about, hey, this is how this happens, how that happens. And one of the nice things about it is in a game versus, like, a movie, where if you read something about it, well, yeah, but you still got to actually make it happen versus, oh, this is that part of the movie. Um, but... Yeah, no, I mean, I'm interested in Undertale. I'd I like to, I also think, you know, if something gets good reviews, hey, I'll check it out. You know, sometimes I'll like stuff, sometimes I won't. But, so. yeah, I got Hollow Knight too. Uh, <laughs> still mean to play that. Has a okay. sequel already? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's geez. the sequel in my heart. All right, perfect. Yeah. Um, and, all right, so I'm coming a long way from forgiving Konami, and I think the consensus is, at least from us, this isn't enough to forgive them. <laughs> Especially, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a hardcore Kojima fan. So, uh, yeah, not not going to forgive them anytime soon, even if they do release a good game. That said, if they released a good game, I would probably buy it used and still play it, <laughs> but not give them the money. Um, all right. <laughs> We're... We're getting okay. close. We're getting close to the end of the show here. Uh, we've been going on long enough as it is. I know you guys are busy. Uh, you got your nah. lives. Um, but one last thing I want to do here is a uh, one-minute movie, not one-minute movie, a one-word review of Jordan Peele's newest movie, Us. Uh, Alex. Fun. <laughs> For the whole family were the rest of the words you would have used if you could have. Um, yeah. Funhouse so, mirror. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's, oh. I don't know what how many twist. words that is. I think it's two. Ghosts. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's going to be it. You can have Funhouse and I'll do mirror. <laughs> <laughs> that's going right. to be it. Uh, supposedly news is a Game Stories Reloaded podcast. Kind of a child of it. Uh, stories come in all forms, and sometimes that form is news. If you enjoyed this episode, follow the Game Stories Reloaded Facebook page, or follow me on Twitter. I just got a new Twitter. I don't even know what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> I wrote this outro no. without remembering it, but it's something like my name. Would it be at Game Stories Reloaded? Oh, never mind. It's, it's actually not. It's just at Jacob R. Nickel. At uh, Jacob R. Nickel. That's nice. capital J, capital R, capital N. Um, Sounds good. I'm let us know if you enjoyed right this episode. Uh, let us know if you want to see or if you want to listen to these guys again because they had a lot of opinions and I know we <laughs> loved most of them. <laughs> Uh, did you guys want to advertise any place that people could hit you up? Uh, I'm on Steam. There on you Steam, go. Death, Deathmark and CST. Um, feel free, feel free to check me out. Talk to me there. I know I said some pretty awful things, so if you want to <laughs> help me or something like that, that's where you can find me. Oh my god. 
I guess I'll just give my Discord. Silly Schlob. <laughs> silly Slob, actually. Uh, my PSN is Silly Slob. But that's all I got. And we won't spell it for you. You just have to figure nah. it out. That's part of the adventure. <laughs> it's all part of a big old game. Uh-huh. Story. All right. Uh, that's it for this week's episode. Uh, we'll see you next week or the week after. We're still young. I haven't figured it out. But probably one or the other. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys.